You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today, we're going to talk about community, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? I want to give an update on tidying. I think I mentioned on a previous episode that Neil had a desire to tidy and organize our house, and we have been working on that together, and it has felt so great. Really awesome teamwork. When one of us is feeling less motivated, the other one picks it up and keeps the progress going forward. I feel like we have gotten to those deeper layers than we have in Mm. previous iterations of this, that Mm -hmm. before I've gone through my clothes a lot or our main living space, but the workroom slash junk room where Mm -hmm. everything gets thrown, it's like, oh, well, we'll just close that door (laughs) because (laughs) that's just overwhelming. We're actually going through and doing it and donating stuff and putting stuff up on Buy Nothing and maintaining the tidiness of the Mm. main part of the house that I feel like we're both feeling more committed to picking things up and putting things away right when we come in the house and having the kids spend time putting their own stuff away as opposed to just letting it pile up. So that feels really good. I'm hoping this energy continues and we're able to maintain it. I love that. I did some much less extensive tidying and clearing out of toys post-Christmas. Yes. And wow, it felt amazing. So doing it on this larger scale just sounds Mm -hmm. so great. Highly recommend. What is new with you? I would like to share a frugal win. I talked about in our last episode that I did a lot of shopping to cope Mm -hmm. with things last year, which is sort of, that's not new for me. I mean, I have been an emotional shopper basically my whole life. How it works is that when I get anxious about something, I think of and research what I can buy to help solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And if there's not a direct solution that is purchasable, I sometimes just shop for things like clothes for me so that I'll feel better. Something like that came up yesterday. I have my nursing school orientation tomorrow and Friday, and we got an email that said the dress is casual, but no athletic wear and no leisure wear. Y'all, basically everything I own is an athleisure (laughs) clothing item. (laughs) So I was freaking out about a lot of stuff that is not just about that, but I Mm -hmm, fixated mm -hmm. on that. And so last night I was up late and I was shopping online for things that I could buy to wear that I could pick up today around town. And then I said, stop. It'll be fine. In all of the clothes you own, there's something that you can wear that will be acceptable. I decided that if I did laundry, I would have more options. So I woke up this morning, put in a load of laundry, and it's going to be fine. But I'm really proud of myself that I did not click order. Good work, Abby. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest read, Sarah? I read A Spindle Splintered by Alex Harrow. I just love her work, and I feel like with each book of hers I read, I like it more and more. I read 10,000 Doors of January first, and it was fine, and I liked it. And then the Once and Future Witches Mm -hmm. was amazing, and this to me is in that same level of enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So this one is a novella that is a retelling of Sleeping Beauty. So it's really short. You can sit down and read it in one sitting. Mm Mm-hmm. I loved the characters. I loved her feminist take on a classic story. I loved the idea of taking your story into your own hands and shaping your future. I loved the women supporting women. There was nothing I didn't like, Mm -hmm. except maybe that it was so short and I wish there was more. 
It yeah. does look like it's number one in a series called Fractured Fairy Tales. So I'm hoping that there's more to come because I will be reading them. I listened to this one and can also highly recommend the audiobook version. Nice. What have you been reading? I recently finished A Marvelous Light by Freya Marski. This is book one of a new romance series that has magic and is set in Edwardian England. Mm. So both historical and magical fiction. This book is focused on two male main characters, Robert Blythe and Edwin Corsi. This book had great pacing. I loved how the magic was built into the Edwardian society and the politics and how that went with the story. Mm -hmm. There's a very awesome sub-character who's a magical old lady. And this is a very spicy R-rated romance, which I also liked. So would I recommend this if that sounds good to you? Yes, I would. Let's move on to our topic for today, which is community. We did an episode about community in the first year of our pod, but what we need and want from the communities we're part of changes with lots of things. So we're going to talk about it some more today. Sarah, why don't you tell us about the current state of community in your life? When we first talked about the idea of doing this episode, I was thinking that I would talk about how I feel like I'm really settled and have a great community and that I feel like I'm in the maintenance rather than the building phase of my community. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is true, but I also think it's largely true because I have less time to devote to building it and the only time I have is for maintenance. Mm. And I feel really grateful that I did the work of building up this community before COVID happened, before I started grad school, before Mm -hmm. I started working more hours at the library, because I still feel like my needs are being met, Mm -hmm. which feels great. I have friends near and far that I love. I really love my neighborhood and neighbors and generally feel this settled and connected feeling. But upon reflection, I also hope that once I'm out of this phase, I can be back to adding in more as opposed to just being able to do the minimum that makes me feel connected. Mm -hmm. We are still in the community building portion of our lives here in Birmingham. So for listeners who maybe don't know, we moved here in December of 2019. And so the first few months we were here, we're just sort of getting our bearings, like figuring out where the grocery stores were and then Plum starting preschool. And then I think she went to preschool for five weeks and then everything shut down. Yes. And then it was me and my kids enjoying a community of three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually four because Andrew was home for a while. But that really put a wrench in things and it has expanded a lot. But I think COVID continues to put a wrench in things, which we'll talk about sort of throughout this episode. So at this point, I would say that our local community is small but lovely and serves our family pretty well for the situation that we're in, but that we'd love both more and deeper connections. Mm -hmm. Our faraway communities are in good shape. And I think in some ways COVID has been good with that because we were able to maintain connections because so much stuff was happening virtually that I didn't necessarily expect that we would maintain. And some of them even increased. Like my mom's side of the family met weekly for a while Yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic. But we are also missing in-person reconnections that we would have had that we didn't do because travel was scary or the kids weren't vaccinated or whatever. So I don't know. I would say medium, as good mm-hmm. as can be expected is the current state of my community. What do you feel you most want or need from communities that you're a part of? 
I think two main things. One is to be known deeply by a handful of friends and to know those friends deeply. And then two is to be known generally by a wide circle. For example, other parents at the school pickup, teachers at the kids' school, folks at the coffee hour at church, neighbors I chat with when taking out the trash. I think the deep connection is what I think of first. But when I reflect on what kind of community really meets my needs and supports my well-being, those casual connections are what make me feel rooted to a place and really part of the communities that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. I had this experience at our very local grocery store, the one that we can walk to, where I was Mm -hmm. pushing the cart out full of stuff like packed into my reusable bags. And one of the bags kind of slipped. And so the pineapple that was already cut up that I bought fell out. Mm. And this worker at the grocery store was coming in at the same time. He was like, oh, no, let me help. I said, I think it was the last one of that size of pineapple. Mm -hmm. This is someone who I don't know his name. I have just seen him. And, you know, we say hi when I'm shopping in the grocery store and he's working. I was loading everything else into the car and he came out with two smaller pineapples that equaled Mm. the size of the big one. And I just felt so taken care of. Yeah. Would he have done that if he hadn't seen me around? Maybe. I mean, that might just Mm -hmm. be who he is. And I think that's the energy sort of in that grocery store. It has a very like community, neighborly kind of energy. So he might have done it anyway, but I felt so taken care of by that. Yes. And so that's something else that I want from my community is this having people take care of me, having people who I can turn to when I need something or who see a need and step in feels like a really important part of community. And then allowing me to be able to do that for people as well, I think is another thing that I really love and want to have in a community. It makes me think, too, of Vanessa Zoltan on the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast that they talk about how small talk is so important and valuable. Mm. And we really dismiss small talk as, oh, well, you're not going deep with somebody. You're not making these real connections. But how actually that kind of small talk with the people we don't see frequently Mm -hmm. makes people feel seen and known and improves our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think about that a lot, just having these small conversations with somebody I run into at the grocery store. And it's like, wow, that really did pick me up, even though we were just saying what we're cooking for dinner and then moving on. Yeah. But it matters. It does. In terms of what you need from your community, are you getting those things right now? I think mostly yes. I did a lot of work when we first moved to Bloomington to make friends and get involved. And Mm -hmm. I do think that is paying off now, especially with COVID, of having that foundation built. One thing that I'm really missing and, and that I don't think I found a substitute for since COVID is our church community, both for myself and for the kids. I loved the kids making connections outside of the neighborhood and school and being known by other adults. And I just think that church is so great for that with the intergenerational community that is hard Mm -hmm. to find in our modern society. And I miss feeling a part of something bigger and having that time to recenter with other people experiencing the same thing. And the virtual church just isn't doing it for me. Yeah. Otherwise, I still feel like I have strong connections with friends and still am having those kind of casual connections we had talked about before being part of that broader Bloomington community. What about for you? 
I think we are on our way to having this in our local community, but I still want more, more, more. (laughs) (laughs) I think that some of that is time. I read something recently about time investment in friendship, and it said it takes a certain number of hours to go from acquaintance to friend. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a certain number of more hours after that to go from friend to close friend. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's probably a similar level of time investment in community. And I think yeah. one thing I did that I've talked about a lot on the pod is my neighborhood walks that I did during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like when Andrew was home more, I could leave for 45 minutes and walk around the neighborhood and having random short conversations with people who were in their yards that I just waved and, well, hey, how are you? And Or, you know, this woman's watching a bird and I get to see her. I admire this man's garden or something. That that was that time investment mm-hmm. to feel connected to our neighborhood. So I think some of that is time and it will come. So one thing that was really wonderful for our sense of community that happened last year was Plum starting kindergarten at our neighborhood school. Yes. I am so thankful for the people that we have connected with there, but really we've only known them since August. So that is still a very new community. And while there are a lot of things that I think we do for each other, it still feels too new Mm -hmm. to really be that level of caring and depth, like going both directions that I would wish. And I could see it developing into that. So I think that it will, but I think that's just another thing that will take more time. The final thing is the COVID thing again. I think there's an aspect of trust that is a little shaky in a new place and new people around COVID. I wish that this was not a consideration for me because it really feels limiting to only be around people whose precautions I'm comfortable asking about and are aligned to ours. Yeah. At the beginning of the pandemic, I really felt like we were some of the more cautious people that we knew. Mm -hmm. And it was scary that there was so much that was unknown. So that feels like that took at least six months out of that time that we could have been putting in, but we're instead investing really like just in our house. (laughs) Yes. So it will come. It's not there yet. Yep. So what are the best ways that you have found to cultivate community, Sarah? In pre-COVID times, when I had a lot more time to do this, when I was home full-time with the kids... A lot of my day was socializing and reaching out to people and spending time with people, both for the kids to socialize with other kids and for me to socialize with other adults. I found the best thing was just asking for people's phone numbers and following up. Most people want to make connections and want to socialize. It's just someone has to be the one to initiate. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that, I think that I was able to make those connections. And it's how I found some of my closest friends, both in Bloomington and Austin. Another thing for me has been having a regular book club and having that on the calendar. Because I think that especially being in this season of life where I feel like I have such limited time to socialize, that just getting something on the calendar can be challenging. And so when it's a standing date, it's like, okay, well, I know at least once a month I'm going to get together with this group of people and spend time talking about good books and having that sense of connection. So I think having something like that that's regular takes out a lot of the work of it and Mm -hmm. makes it easier to just enjoy and not have it be put off in favor of more urgent things. Mm Mm-hmm. For the kids, we have loved being in a neighborhood that has other kids 
And this has been great that since we've moved in, there's been more kids that Ooh, yeah. slowly the neighborhood is becoming more young families again, mm-hmm. or we just happen to have found the pockets where there are children nearby as our kids' radius also expands. Yeah. I actually thank COVID for this in a lot of ways. It's been one of the unexpected upsides of spending so much time at home and not going out to do things and the kids being at the age where they can be out in the neighborhood playing with friends without adults watching over them the way that we did when they were two and four. Mm -hmm. And that has been such a joy to watch their independence and their socializing and getting to build their community. Mm -hmm. And I feel so grateful because I think that the pandemic has been so isolating for a lot of children, and I don't think that's been the case for mine. Yeah. Their circle has been small, but there has always been other kids in it. And because of that, it has deepened my love for our neighborhood and made me feel more connected to seeing Mm. them thrive in this place. Yeah. Along those same lines, one of the things that I have felt the most thankful for about moving to Birmingham is that it worked out for us to be situated geographically in a neighborhood where we have met compatible people mm-hmm. and that the neighborhood itself feels like part of the community. Like I talked about, yes. you know, going on the walks, that it feels friendly, that it feels like mm-hmm. even if someone just sees me walk by once a week, that they are glad to see me. Yes. We are adding to each other's positive perception of our community. Mm-hmm. We were really particular about where we wanted to be in a more progressive place where we could walk to stuff and where there were other families. And our neighborhood school comes into that a lot as well. But I just think that has been such a huge part when we have been so close to home for so long that the place Mm -hmm. where our home is feels really supportive of that. And we don't have kids as close as you do, but Mm -hmm. we share several parks that are really easy to get to so that when you want to do things like meet up after school quickly or hey, I'm heading to this park on a Saturday morning. Is anyone around? And then you just go there and people can gather so that there is both the potential for that spontaneous social interaction, even if you don't plan it, mm-hmm. but also it makes it really easy on the parents Yes, because this is such a hard time <laughs> to do anything besides the things you absolutely have to do. So anything that takes the work out of it is awesome. And no one's hosting then. Yes. You're just going to a central place. That's outdoors. That's safer. Yes. And hearing you talk about that also just makes me think, gold star for all the work you put into picking the place. Isn't that nice when things actually work (laughs) out the way you want them to, that you feel like, man, I put a lot of work into that decision and it was a good one. Yeah. So validated and also so privileged that like the house was available and that the money worked out Mm -hmm. and that the timing was okay and that we got the mortgage. I mean, so many things. Yes. Fell into place to make that work for us. Yep. And then, like you said, cultivating community, especially in a new place, is about getting out there. When we first moved, I went to a lap workers group where everyone was just knitting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a knitter, but I went <laughs> and I brought stuff to do because I wanted to be out, like meeting mm-hmm. people. But that also comes into flexibility and time that is less. Like if you work full time or if you're in school, you know, and I see it sort of decreasing as we have more defined schedule things like the kids are at school this time to this time, that there is much less fluidity in our life. Mm -hmm. And so I think being more intentional will fix some of it. But some of it is also, like you said, recognizing the seasonality of it, that this is a time where 
we lean into the community that we have and welcome new things that come in, but maybe we don't seek them out quite as much. Yeah. Sarah, do you have any community dreams for the future? I'm mostly looking forward to being in a season of life where I can invest more time in socializing again. I do think it really fills me up in a way that I forget when I'm so Mm -hmm. busy with other things and then I'll go on a walk with a friend I haven't seen in a while and it just feels like this sigh of relief Mm -hmm. and meeting this need that I had been ignoring. And so while I'm really enjoying all the things that I am doing and feel like I am making the right choices, I still think in my ideal life there would be more community and more time to really dive into that. And I do Mm. think that will come around again. So I am trying to appreciate the community we have now, but also not wanting to be complacent and Mm. to keep making time for it. Mm -hmm. On a much more practical level, I am looking forward to being back at church and being part of that community again, because that was a really vibrant, positive part of our week before and a great time to spend together as a family and for Neil and I to spend time together and to be part of an intergenerational space. And I am very excited for that to come back when it does. Nice. How about for you? My dreams are to be more rooted here in Birmingham. You know, all of that stuff that I've already kind of talked about. But one way I see that happening is through my work. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to be, rather than working from home, by next year I'm hoping to have a job. Yes. Some kind of nursing job where I am making community with coworkers, but also with the people who I'm serving as a nurse. Yeah. And I see that being a really important part of the community piece for me here. Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't want to predict what's going to happen with the pandemic, but I would hope that at some point we will have a pandemic situation that is less pandemic-y and more amenable to social situations Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. and for our children. When we lived in Nashville, we had a dinner group that met every week that was three couples. And I would love to have some kind of ongoing social something, like you talked about your book club, that was Mm -hmm. in person, that we could have our whole family do that was a regular thing that would be really wonderful I also am thinking about a church and I think there's some good possibilities here that are more progressive and would work for all of us but we are just not at the point of feeling safe to try them Mm -hmm. because of COVID but also because the restrictions that COVID puts in place I think can put a damper on that kind of social engagement and that kind of community building. And so to me, it almost seems like our life is so full. We don't need to put the time into that when it's going to feel unfulfilling. Let's just wait until things feel less scary and then give it a try. That makes sense. Hearing you talk made me think, too, about how we haven't really touched on that I'm an introvert and you're an extrovert. It feels Mm. like so many of our needs and the way we're approaching it are the same. Yeah. Even though we get our energy differently. Uh And it's just interesting to think about that as well. And in some ways, I think the pandemic has been easier for me as an introvert because I like being at home and I Uh like having a small circle generally. But then when my circle expands, I'm like, oh, no, I actually do think I need more than that. Even though I'm doing okay, more is still better when it comes to community. Yeah. So for our final question, Sarah, do you think an ideal community exists? I don't think so. When we first joined our church, our minister says that if you do not get frustrated and irritated at things with the church (laughs) at some point, you are not involved enough because 
people are people and that's just part of being in community. Mm. And I don't think that makes it bad that it's not ideal. I just think that part of being in relationships is that tension and things don't always go the way you want them to. But that's also what makes it beautiful and fun and interesting. I really love that reminder. That feels important. You might need to remind (laughs) me of that again. (laughs) Will do. What about you? What do you think about an ideal community? I think communities can be ideal for Mm. a certain period of time or life stage. Mm -hmm. I really feel like we had that in Carborough. And I think it would have changed with my postpartum mood stuff after Pepper was born. Mm -hmm. I think it would have changed with school changing, you know, people moving away from there, even if we hadn't. Everyone that we lived with in our triplex has left or is on their way to leaving the state. Mm -hmm. So that was never going to be forever. Right. But it was really lovely and in many ways felt ideal for the time. And, Mm. you know, when I think about Birmingham, I think when we first moved here, I was in the throes of the grief of losing that and postpartum anxiety and a lot of anger at my spouse for getting this job in this place and then COVID. (laughs) Yes. But now I think I have sort of some perspective and optimism that I think it could become ideal here, which is a nice and hopeful way to feel. So we will see what happens. I love that for you, both that you've had an ideal community in the past and that it seems like that will be in your future as well. Thank you. Well, that's the end of our community talk for today. Listeners, we would love to hear what community is looking like in your lives these days. Let's end by talking about what we've been eating. I looked back in our show notes and I could not find that I have shared this recipe for pumpkin bread. Hmm. This is the Down East Maine pumpkin bread from All Recipes. We made it yesterday with our family. It's a big recipe because in order to use up a can of pumpkin, you make two banana bread sized loaves. Yes. But we've eaten almost one whole loaf (laughs) since we made it yesterday. Yeah. It's so good. It has so much sugar. It's basically like pumpkin cake, Mm -hmm. but in loaf format. So 10 of 10 would recommend. Nice. I have a cake to share. Mm. I do not make cakes very often, but the kids and I have been enjoying watching baking shows and E was asking to make a cake. And I was like, you know what? We can do that. I actually ordered some cake pans this December because that was not something that I had and made this chocolate cake. It is chocolate and peanut butter. It had a peanut butter filling in between the two layers. I did the nine inch circular ones Mm -hmm. and then a chocolate frosting on the outside. The consensus was that the cake was the best part and Mm. my kids didn't really like the filling or the frosting, that it was too much, Mm -hmm. which I remember doing that as a kid. I would make cakes all the time and just not make frosting and just eat the cake part. Yeah. And also making a filling and a frosting was really annoying and took a lot of time and washing of the mixing bowl. (laughs) Yeah. So it is also a good reminder to me that the simplest part was the best part and that hopefully we'll be making more cakes with that knowledge and information as opposed to feeling overwhelmed by needing to do something extravagant. Great plan. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Cut. I'll do the summary. (laughs) And it is. It. Yeah. I'll just stop. That's good.